of the hiding place I hope it's safe within your name This window, this window You promise never to forsake What you began you will sustain this window, this window I will call upon the Lord For He alone is strong enough to save Rise, your shackles are no more For Jesus Christ has broken every and the earth announce the fullness of your worth this window this window and every enemy will flee as we declare your victory this declare this this morning Jesus name will break every stronghold freedom is ours when we call his name Jesus name above every other oh hell the power of Jesus name Jesus Call upon the Lord for 
Hey, good morning, Longview Point. Uh, it's good to be able to be with you still in this strange format, but, but able to be with you um, even through this uh, interesting platform and medium. I, I want to encourage you, if you would now, just to set aside some distractions. Take your Bible out, lay it in your lap, gather the family, pull your Bibles out together. Approach this time the way you would a worship service on Sunday morning. We're now working from home, and uh, I find that for me personally, when trying to work from home, in spite of all of the distractions and the challenges that come with that, if I treat that time at, at work at home like I'm in the office, it tends to go better. It tends to be a little more productive. I'm going to advise the same approach for our worship service this morning. If you treat this time as though we were sitting down together in the worship center at uh, Longview Point on the campus of our church, uh, I, I, I believe it'll be a more productive, helpful, encouraging uh, time uh, together for you and, and, for, and for your family as well. These are uh, kind of scary days in a lot of ways, and uh, if what our leadership uh, directs us in is accurate, um, these next couple of weeks are going to be very challenging. Um, you may feel the impact of COVID-19 within your own family. In all likelihood, someone that you know will be touched by this virus, uh, will see this thing expand, and uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of heartache that's born out of uh, what unfolds in the next couple of weeks. But I want to encourage you that what we celebrate together this morning in the gospel of Jesus Christ is our strength and our stay. In a world of chaos and confusion and fear, we have found our perfect peace in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I want to welcome you into this time of worship, wherever it is that you are. If you're a guest with us this morning, send us a message. Let us know that you're watching along with us. We'd love the opportunity to be able to minister to you. Under normal circumstances, we'd have you tear off a slip from our bulletin and drop that in the offering plate or something along those lines. Just know that it would be our delight to hear from you as a guest uh, with us this morning. Uh, so reach out to us through social media in the comments section of this video uh, or by email. You'll find our email addresses and contact information on the website. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to share with you a prayer request uh, that came to me this week. Christy Webster, who is a member of our fellowship, has been diagnosed with classical Hopkins lymphoma, and I want to encourage you to be in prayer for her. Um, while the COVID-19 stuff continues to unfold, there are still the everyday trials and difficulties of life uh, that continue to come. They are not quarantined, and they are no respecter of persons. But uh, we're going we're gonna to lift her up in prayer and trust the hand of the great physician to be at work in her life and in the life of many others who may be struggling with various ailments from within our congregation. Let's go together in prayer to the Lord. Father, thank you for this opportunity to meet together this morning. God, I pray that wherever you find your people, that you would hear our hearts. Lord, we lift Christy up to you and others who are struggling in a variety of different ways. God, I, I, I think especially of our senior adults and uh, those who are living alone. It must be uh, difficult, especially difficult for them. And I pray, God, that wherever they are, under whatever circumstances they find themselves, that they would remember that even when they're by themselves, that they are never alone, that you're a friend who sticks closer than a brother, that you've promised that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Scott, I pray that you would meet with us in our living rooms, in our cars, around our smartphones, God, wherever we are, 
that you would do that mysterious and magical thing that you do when the body of Christ comes together. Meet with us, God. Minister to us. Sustain us. Uphold us. Fill us, Lord, with the truth of the gospel that we might withstand the trials and the difficulties of these days ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this, this next song, I, I, I love this next song, and it's one that I love to sing with the body and, and when there's a room full of people. And, you know, obviously this morning it's not. but And I almost didn't choose it, but then the Lord reminded me that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. He's in the midst of us right now while we're here. He's in the midst of where you are, where you're gathering. And as Pastor Wade just, just mentioned that we are bound together as the body of Christ. And a building doesn't make a church. It's, it's the body. It's the people. It's the people of Longview Point that believe Christ and trust Christ with all their heart. That's, we're that part of the church. And so this morning, as, as you're gathered around wherever you are, we just want to sing this song in celebration as if there were a room full of people as if we were standing and asking God, open up the heavens. We want to see your glory this morning. Father, we want to be with you. So as, we, as you sing this, well, I just encourage you, you know, sometimes it's a little strange to sing around a phone or sing around the TV, but I encourage you this morning, this is not a time to sit back and listen. This is a time to participate and a time to just ask God to do a work in your family, in our state, in this church, and in, in, in our nation, that we would see the church become the church. For this day, we're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire, will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Your presence in this place, your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here, you're the reason we're singing. Heavens, we want to see you open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our brain. 
every part of our praise. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Sing it out. So open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Filling every part of our praise. So open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty Flowing from your heart, filling every part of our Streams of mercy never ceasing. The call for songs of loudest praise. And teach me so melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. The praise of Mount Time fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. I was lost in utter darkness Until you came and rescued me I was bound by all my sin When your love came and set me free Now my soul can sing a new song Now my heart has found a hope And now your grace is Always with me, and I'll never be alone. Come now, found, come now, King, come now, precious Prince of Peace. Hear your bride to you we sing. Come now, found of our blessing. Come now, found, come now, King, come now, precious Prince of Peace. Hear your bride to you we sing. Come thou, found of our blessing. 
to grace how great a dead daily i'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a feather by my wandering heart to be prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart lord take and seal it seal it for thy cause of Come thou foul, come thou king. Come thou foul, come thou king. Come thou precious prince of peace. Hear your bride to you we sing. Come thou foul to thy blessing. Come thou foul, come thou king. Come thou precious prince of peace. Thou fount of our blessing. Just sing this with me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Twas blind. But now I see Sometimes I'm strong, sometimes I'm weak, sometimes I fall in my wandering. But through it all, there's just one thing more precious than the air I breathe. Grace, amazing grace unfailing grace that saves my soul grace unending grace unrelenting grace that won't let go you took our sin you took our stain you took our guilt now there is no shame this our reward 
eternal crown, the endless song. How sweet the sound of grace, amazing grace, unfailing grace that saves my soul. Grace, unending grace, unrelenting grace that won't let go. Father, there is, you offer perfect love, Lord, and perfect love cast out all fear. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to walk in that grace, walk in that freedom, Lord, walk in confidence that you have us. Lord, as, as a believer that has been washed by the blood of the Lamb, Lord, let us walk in confidence that we belong to you, that we're a child of God. And let us walk boldly in these times, Lord, to be a witness for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2, we'll look this morning at verses 24 through 28. One of the things that I've come to realize um, through the years in studying the New Testament is that there is a great deal of content in the New Testament that's simply focused on reminding us of what we already know. In other words, most of the New Testament is not about revealing new information. It's a, it's a helping us to walk through the process 
of making application of the single focal point of the New Testament, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The focus is reminding the church of long-held and ancient truths. Think of how many New Testament authors indicate this as their goal outright. It's plainly stated. Peter said, I've written to remind you of these truths. Often, Paul speaks of reminding the church of the gospel by which they were saved. James encourages the church that even as they're hearers of the word, that they would be doers also, reminding them to do what they have been instructed to do, to make application of the gospel in every area of their life. Even where the audience is chastised for their immaturity, it's usually not about their failure to attain new information. It's about a breakdown between what they know in their head and what they make application of in their lives practically. The same is true in our passage here. In essence, what John is saying to the church is, I'm not writing you because you don't know the truth, but because you do. And if you're going to live in the present hour, if you're going to face the difficulties and the struggles of this time, in John's case, a first century context, in our case, a 21st century context, if you are going to survive, here is what you must do. Verse 21, he says, what you've heard from the beginning must remain in you. This is the answer. If you're going to withstand the challenges and the hardships of your life, and everyone has them, they come in different shapes and sizes, we're all sharing one great big burden these days, but you have different variables in each of your life, different challenges, different struggles, different sins, different temptations that seek to entangle you. John provides us with an answer as to how we are to withstand those things in verses 24 and following. Beginning in verse 24, 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you've heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He Himself made to us, eternal life. I've written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. The anointing you receive from Him remains in you. And you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, remain in him. And so now, little children, remain in him. So that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I'd like to offer you five observations from these verses this morning that I think could be an encouragement to you, uh, regardless of whatever of what it is that you're up against. Number one, if you are to withstand the challenges of the present hour, you must abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In last week's passage, John addressed challenges that come from within the church, and John addressed challenges that come from outside of the church. And in both instances, he provides us with a solution in verse 24. What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. You must abide in the gospel. Not just at the beginning of your faith journey, but throughout the course of your walk and relationship with Jesus. You must abide in the gospel. I say this often. You've heard me say it over and over and over again. You don't just need the gospel to save you at the first, but to sustain you at every step along the way. 
our responsibility, our obligation in Christ today is to believe the promise of the gospel. Our obligation in Christ tomorrow is to believe the promise of the gospel. The message of Christ that saved us is the message of Christ that will sustain us. It's the message that will sanctify us. And ultimately, it's the message that will glorify us in the presence of our Savior. If you are to withstand the challenges of the present hour, it makes no difference what shape or form they take. You must abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A plainly stated gospel. That God has loved us so much that in spite of our great sin and rebellion against him, he sent his son to live an absolutely perfect life, to die a substitutionary death, to be raised from the grave on the third day, to ascend to the right hand of God, that he would beckon, that we would come to him by faith and receive the promise of everlasting life. What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. John continues, if what you've heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. The, the way you abide in Father and Son is by abiding in Jesus. John's going to go on to say this is the answer to all of our challenges. It is abiding in the gospel, the message that you heard in the beginning. The truth of the gospel by which you were saved is the answer to the challenges that you're facing even on this day. John speaks here of remaining in Christ or that the gospel must remain in you. Both are either stated or implied in verse 24. The idea of remaining in Christ features prominently in John's writings. There's six times here in verses 24 through 28 where the language of remain is listed in various different forms. John says, remain in Christ. May Christ remain in you. You remain in the Father and the Son. If you remain, the promise of everlasting life is yours. You've likely heard this language before in John's writing. In John chapter 15, he speaks of remaining in Christ, or as it's more popularly translated, abiding in Christ. In John chapter 15, in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains or abides in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What John is saying in John 15 is that the answer to fruitfulness and steadfastness in the gospel is abiding in Jesus. 
If you want to be fruitful in your life and ministry, abide in Christ. If you want to remain steadfast in your life and ministry, abide in Christ. And what John is teaching here in 1 John chapter 2 in the verses before us this morning is that the secret to withstanding the challenges of life in the present is abiding in Christ. It's John's chosen language for describing the state of walking in close fellowship with Jesus. Paul uses the language of being filled with the Spirit. He uses the language of being in the Spirit, of being in Christ positionally. Luke uses the language in the book of Acts of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But John's preferred description of our walking in close communion, in fellowship with Jesus, is the idea of abiding in Him. Like a branch that is cut off, becomes unfruitful and withers and dies. So when we are not walking in fellowship with Jesus, we are essentially cut off. We begin to wither and to die. John says, church, what I want from you, what is essential for you, if you are to withstand the challenges that exist in every context, is that you abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Abide in the truth of the gospel. Today, remind yourself of the promise of the gospel, the call of the gospel on your life. Secondly, if you abide in the gospel, you will abide in Christ and in the Father. The conclusion of verse 22, 24 rather says, If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. There, there is no higher level. There is no second blessing, no second conver conversion, no deeper enlightenment. The answer to abiding in Jesus, the answer to having fellowship with the Father, is the gospel that calls us to believe on Jesus to cease trusting our own labors and to trust the finished work of Christ for our salvation. You cannot bridge the gap between yourself and a holy God. Only Christ could do that. And the mechanism that Christ has used to do that is the gospel. If you allow that your thoughts be concentrated on the truth, on the promises of the gospel, you will necessarily abide in Christ and in the Father. You may, over the course of your Christian journey, grow in grace and knowledge, but your standing with God is entirely reliant upon the work of someone else, namely the work of Jesus Christ. You are not earning merit. You are not earning favor. You are merely abiding in Jesus as you labor to sanctify yourself in grace and knowledge, to grow in grace and knowledge, to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. If you want to be nearer Jesus... If you want to be nearer the Father, you must abide. That is, you must meditate in the promises of the gospel. There was a time in my life, and we, if we're not careful, can sort of mistakenly communicate this idea. But there was a time in my Christian journey when I was operating under the impression that the gospel was just the elementary Christian message and that at some point as we grew, we learned more advanced things about Jesus, more advanced things about the Scripture. And we just sort of moved beyond those elementary things to more advanced Christian doctrine. And as we grow, we, just, we spend all of our time over here in what we might think of as the deeper things. 
But the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that if I'm going to walk faithfully with Jesus, it's not these tangential things over here that we often put in the category of higher things. It's the simple message of the gospel that holds me and sustains me come what may. If you want to be closer to Jesus, don't spend all of your time trying to unfold all the intricacies of eschatology. Spend your time meditating on the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how he saved you in spite of your sin, how his grace was greater than your transgression, how like a bolt from the blue, the Spirit threw open your heart and granted the gift of faith, how he saved you in spite of yourself and not because of yourself, how it's by grace through faith faith that he has saved us, not of works, lest any man should boast. Meditate on Christ and the promise of the gospel fulfilled in him. And as you do, you'll find a nearer relationship with both the Father and the Son. Number three, if you abide in Christ, the promise of eternal life is yours. Look to verse 25. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. The promise the gospel holds forth for us is eternal life. Abundant life in the here and now, yes. But eternal life in the there and then. Brothers and sisters, we we ought to have a, a different posture toward COVID-19 and what we may unfortunately experience in our country over the next two or three weeks. Our perspective is shaped by the promise of the gospel inseparably connected to the idea of eternal life. We have in Jesus the promise of everlasting life. If you ever ask someone the question, we often use this method evangelistically, if you were to die Would you spend eternity in heaven? I'm astonished at how often people answer, well, I'm trying or something along those lines. That is the antithesis of the gospel. The gospel promises that because we have believed on Jesus, our sins have been washed away and we have been granted the promise of everlasting life. Faith in Jesus carries with it the promise of eternal life. Jesus has said, for whoever believes in me, though he die, he will yet live. For us as believers in the gospel, there awaits us a sweet by and by. There is something better for us than anything that this world could afford to offer. What we are striving toward is not retirement and relaxing and comfort and luxury. What we, are, what we are striving for is a heavenly retirement whereby our Father says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. When we enter into our Sabbath rest in Christ, if you abide in Jesus, the promise of eternal life is yours without question irrevocably, in Christ, the promise of everlasting life is ours. Number four, because you abide in Christ, and this is such a timely word, you are not deficient in your ability to understand spiritual things. Look at what John says in verses 26 and 27. 
I've written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive, to deceive you. In other words, I'm writing about those who were, up, who were among us, but they went out from us because they were not of us in order that it might be made manifest that they were never with us in the first place. They have now set out to deceive John's church. And John says, at this point, I'm writing you to address their attack against you, the influence that they have in your life. And he explains further in verse 27. The anointing you receive from him remains in you. In other words, at the moment of your conversion, you were granted the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes to abide within us with such power that John will say later in this same epistle, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have the ability to withstand whatever comes against you because of the power of God's Spirit in you. John says again in verse 27, the anointing you received from him remains in you. You've not lost the spirit somewhere along the way. Surely we can operate under the power of the flesh at times and not avail ourselves of the power of the spirit. But the spirit of God abides within the body of every blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say what gives some shock and astonishment to Bible preachers and teachers. And you don't need anyone to teach you. In other words, John is saying you have been given through the Spirit of God all the resources that you need to understand spiritual things. It seems that the influence of those who were once in the church but have now left the church, the pressure from without the church was the suggestion that we have attained or achieved a higher level of knowledge and insight and we've now returned to inform you of the error of your ways. They're, they're, they seem to be saying to the church, there are just some things that you're not able to understand at this point. Perhaps you need us to help you to navigate these things, to understand in a deeper, more philosophical kind of way what it is that we are to do in the here and now. John says, no, rather, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, so much so that you have no need for a teacher at all. Now, within the body, God has given us teachers and this is a good thing. Preachers are a good thing, if I may say so. But you have been endowed with all of the abilities necessary that you might feed yourself through the reading and the study of God's Word. Teachers are there to instruct us, to help us, to guide us, at times to provide foundational truths and boundaries as we study God's Word. Preachers are there to see to it that as we gather together, there's a unison about the instruction and the apostles' doctrine and, and teaching. These are good and noble things. But in the language of the present hour, the teacher or the preacher is to provide good medicine from God, but he is never intended by God to function as a respirator for you. Some of you are challenged in recent days because you don't have the luxury of being able to meet together with the church, that the food would be, so to speak, set before you. You're left to your own ability, to your own prayer closet, to your own devotional time, to your own personal readings, and this is a new thing for you. But I want you to know that you have every tool, every resource, every gift necessary at understanding spiritual things with a Bible in your hand and the Spirit of God in your heart. 
Because you abide in Jesus, you are not deficient. You are not broken in your ability to understand spiritual things. The only prerequisites for understanding the Bible are faith in Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you find yourself under the teaching or instruction, spiritual teaching or instruction of a teacher who would lead you to believe that you are entirely reliant upon them for teaching, you ought to know that you're in very dangerous territory. Now, this ought to come as an encouragement. I can't tell you how often I have conversations with people who express frustration at at the difficulty that they're having understanding the Bible. I think that frustration is largely born out of preaching and teaching ministries that suggest either implicitly or explicitly that understanding the Bible is something that comes with a more advanced understanding or a seminary education or something along those lines. Be encouraged. There'll be struggles and challenges. There are passages that we all struggle with understanding clearly and well, and we're all growing in that process. But by faith in Jesus, with the Spirit in your heart and a Bible in your hand, you have all that you need to rightly divide the Word of God. Number five, if you abide in Christ, you may stand boldly at his coming. Look at verses, or verse rather, 28. So now, little children, remain in me, so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. It's difficult to outline 1 John rather than a linear outline the way we usually put an outline together. It looks more like a chain where John circles back and picks up previous topics and then fills them out with greater detail in the next passage and then drops down to the next paragraph and circles back like a chain link and picks up a detail there and brings it uh, to, to further uh, completion and thought in the next paragraph. So what we're looking at in verse 28 is really a transitional verse, moving us into the next paragraph, but at the same time bringing completion to the passage that we've just read. Again, John says, so now little children remain in him, abide in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Because of the gospel, when Jesus comes again, When we stand before his judgment, we may stand boldly and confidently. We stand with confidence not because we've lived a good life or because we've done some good things. We stand with confidence because we know that we will be judged on the basis of his righteousness. The New Testament speaks of this in a variety of different ways. It speaks of our being washed in the blood of the Lamb, washed whiter than snow. That is, all of the stains of our sin are washed away and we stand clean before the judgment. The Bible speaks of of our being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That is, we are enveloped in Christ's righteousness so that our filth, our shame, our guilt is covered in Christ's righteousness so that when God looks upon us in judgment, he sees not our sin, but the perfect righteousness of Jesus. I 
would expect that there are probably more than just a handful of you who've had the experience at some point in your life of standing before a judge. It is a dreadful thing. When your fate, under any circumstances, is in the hands of someone else, and you have ultimately lost control over uh, your future, your destiny, it is a, a dreadful thing. But can you imagine the dread and the fear, the trepidation that must come with standing on the other side before the God of perfect holiness with your judgment, with your name, the next on the docket? And here John instructs us that our hope, our strength, our stay in that hour is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you abide in Christ, you may stand boldly at his coming. If you abide in Jesus, you don't have to worry about what the future holds for you. If you abide in Jesus, you don't have to worry about the torments of hell. If you abide in Jesus, you don't have to fret over the pains of death. If you abide in Jesus, you don't have to worry about some mysterious and unknown fate that lies ahead. If you abide in Jesus, the promise of everlasting life is yours. You may stand boldly at his coming. This is essentially the message of the gospel. This is what John calls us to abide in, to meditate on. What Jesus has done for us in perfection. What has been finished in Jesus is ours. We have been cleansed of our sin. We have been filled with his spirit. He has charted a course for us that finds its end, its conclusion, a finish line in the presence of the one who died for us. I hope that as you're going about your business under these unusual circumstances, that you're taking the opportunity to share with those around you of the promises of the gospel. They're people that you're in contact with by phone. They're friends and family that you're calling up and you're checking on. I can't tell you how frustrating it is as a pastor to not be able to have the people gather together with the expectation as I preach that there are those among us who have not received the promise of the gospel. The angst, the want to, to know that people who've not heard are now hearing. It's almost unbearable. But they're in your circle of influence. They may not be at an arm's reach. Hopefully they're more than six feet from you. But they're within your circle of influence. Be faithful to share with them the promise of everlasting life that is only received through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There, there are in all likelihood some of you who know the gospel you were saved by the power of the gospel. You have been abiding in Christ for some time. But you've allowed the anxiety and the worry of the present hour to set you back. You've forgotten that our destiny is set in Jesus. Could I invite you to trust in Christ for peace that passes all understanding to rest in him. To find your Sabbath rest in the one who bled and died for us. Christ has overcome the world. And though we may yet die in the here and now, there is life for us in the there and the then that awaits us. 
rest in Jesus. And if the days grow especially dark over the next couple of weeks, as some have suggested they would, abide in Jesus. Meditate on the promise of the gospel. He is our strength and stay, the foundation for our soul. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, for its truth, for the sustaining effect that it has on us, Lord. Our souls are fed at the reading and the preaching of your word. It's at the reading and the preaching of your word that we're reminded of the truth of the gospel, that we're reminded of the power and the beauty, the majesty of Christ our Lord, that we're we're reminded of your greatness, that God, you have the whole world in your hands, that not one molecule has escaped your attention, that you are at work for the good of your people and the glory of your name. What even this sinful creation conjures up as an expression of evil, as a condition of its sin corruption, even that, God, you are turning, bending for your good purpose. You have meant this for good. God, I pray that you would give life to, grow in us, God, a greater trust and confidence in who you are as our Lord and our King, even in what may be very dark days ahead. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. I pray that you would bring this to bear in the hearts and lives of every person gathered to listen. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're listening this morning, and there's some way that, that I or one of our pastors could be of encouragement or help to you, I so hope that you'll reach out. I can't tell you how I miss those invitation times on Sunday morning and having the opportunity to pray with those who would respond in faith or for simple encouragement to be brought into the membership of our church. I want you to know that God has not ceased to save because we have a quarantine unfolding in our country. God is still actively, powerfully at work through the gospel, seeking out and saving the lost. There are sheep that are not yet of this fold. If you find yourself in that number this morning, it would be our delight to hear a call from you, a comment in the comment section of this video, to receive an email that we might respond to, to help you walk through the next steps in your journey with Jesus. If you've sensed conviction this morning that you are undone, if you cannot say assuredly today, that the promise of eternal life is yours through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're a phone call away. We love nothing more than to counsel with you through the gospel, to share with you what we have found in Christ, what he stands to do in your life. Reach out to us in some way, I pray. Maybe God's been leading you to be joined to the fellowship of our church. Call us up. We're working right now through a digital format of our starting point class so that you'll be able by Zoom meetings and through digital access to go through our membership class so that we can tell you about who we are and continue to do the work of God's kingdom. Just because this building is closed in no way means that the church of Jesus Christ has ceased to operate. So as the Lord moves in your life, though we're not able to invite you to come physically, We are able to invite you to reach out digitally or by phone, and I hope and pray that you'll do so. For those of you who are bowing quietly now in prayer, 
wrestling with the message that's been brought before us, could I just pray for you briefly? Father, thank you for those listening. God, I pray for those families gathered that you do a work through your spirit. Lord, for a father who's wrestling with salvation but may be too prideful in the company of his children to break down and yield to the work of your spirit, would you grant him that courage? For a mom who seems to be so buttoned up to have it all together, it may be more than what she's able in this moment to press through, to simply confess before a husband and a family that it's all been an act. God, would you grant her the courage? For a child with whom things may not have been the best over the past days or weeks or maybe even this morning, God, I, I pray that you give them the confidence to give confession to their faith in Jesus, heartfelt confession. God, for your church, assembled and in many cases scared, would you renew and refresh and remind, Lord, that you've not given us over to a spirit of fear, but of confidence. Would you grant them the peace that passes all understanding? We ask these things in the power of Jesus' name. On the basis of the promise of the very passage that we've read in John 15 this morning. Lord, when we abide in you, whatever we ask, you're pleased to give it. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is the time in our service when we would uh, typically receive an offering. I want to encourage you to continue to give faithfully as the Lord has instructed and provided in your lives as individuals. There are a number of options for your doing that. We sent out an email to the membership of our church just this week letting you know that we had ceased normal operating hours, normal office hours. We are all now in a work from home format, meaning those of you who've been dropping off offering envelopes or offerings in the office won't be able to do that. For the duration of the governor's order that we uh, shut down all non-essential business, we're technically essential business. We could be here, but given the number of staff that we have and the number of people that are in and out and uh, variables in each of our lives, we are now working from home, and that's going uh, really well so far. But you'll, uh, you'll need to drop those in the mail. That address is before you so that you can uh, mail that in. We'll be picking those up a few times a week and making those deposits. Uh, the most efficient way of giving um, in the days ahead is the online giving option there on the website in the top right-hand corner of the home page. There's a give online option. You can see that on the video that's before you. It's a very simple process, one that we've even simplified in the last few weeks. And I pray that you'll continue to give uh, generously over the next uh, weeks as we're in these unusual times as a ministry as you're giving. And I want to encourage you on these Sunday mornings as we assemble together uh, in this online format that you would uh, worship as you would if we were gathered together and even that you would give as you would as we were gathered together. But it's as you make preparation for that or perhaps are even in the process of giving now, I'd like us to ask together that the Lord would bless these gifts and offerings. Let's pray. Lord, as we entrust these gifts into your hands, we ask that as always, you'd use them, that your kingdom would be greatly advanced. Lord, even as we are limited in our ability to move about, remind us even as our monies exchange hands, that we are still about the business of advancing your kingdom across the street, 
and around the world. God, we entrust these gifts to you. We pray that you would multiply them many times over. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I hope that wherever you are, you're okay. And I hope that there, if there's any need that arises in your life or your family's life, that you'll feel free to reach out to us and let us know. A few of you have begun to use our prayer email address to communicate prayer requests. I hope that you'll continue to do that. You'll find all of that information on our website and our various social media platforms. But stay with us. On Wednesday nights, Pastor Derek is offering a teaching on that night, not just for the youth, but for the church. So be sure that you're joining us on Wednesday nights for that. And on virtually every other day of the week, there's some offering for you on social media to keep you aware of what the Lord is doing here uh, within our body and uh, of opportunities for you to be of service even from your homes. Have a great day in Christ. God bless.